think I could guess maybe what your number one oh, is. Oh, you think? Yeah. You think you could guess? <laughs> We're going back to the well, baby. Oh, yeah. There it is. Woo. Ugliest freaking uniforms I've ever seen. It's just too much going on. What am I watching? Football or like an optical illusion? Are we back? Here we are. These are the new Bengals uniforms as leaked over the weekend. Uh, these are the real uniforms, Pete. These are the repeat. Quit telling me possibly. These are the uniforms. <laughs> They've got the Paul Brown signature at yeah. the back of the of the collar, and I asked the, the Nike Bengals tags comment, and, and I was real. ghosted. Yeah. I was ghosted when I asked. Anytime yeah. you ask a team for comment and they don't respond, that means they don't want to respond because that means they don't want to lie to you. And they would have been lying to me if they had said these aren't the uniforms. They are an improvement. Definitely. I've always hated when when Nike came around and they started doing that collar that's a different color than the rest of the shirt. I've always hated that. The Saints, I think, still do that. The Bengals had still done it. I like this adjustment. I do too. I would like it better if they went back to the orange helmets that simply said Bengals on the side. Well, I, I'm with you. I, I do like the, the uniform change. I really do. It's sharp. The shoulders, it's just cleaner looking. There's not as much going on as you heard me in that last segment there. And I think the pants are going to be cleaner as well with so much less colors and prints and everything. They don't need a lot. I mean, damn, you got bangle stripes on your helmet. We don't need too many damn things on there. I'd like to see, and you know me, I've been I've been banging the table for a Cincinnati rebrand for a long time. I mean, how many years can you lose in one uniform before you just got to go, damn, it's not good luck. Let's be like the Broncos and change and then win a Super Bowl. You know, we've seen, oh, the Patriots change, and all of a sudden they go to Super Bowls and are winning Super Bowls. You know, I, I do think there's something. I would love to see black helmets with orange stripes. That's where I would, uh, you know, something oh, different there. Man. Ah, oh, man. I think it could be cool. I like that. You know, the 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 two helmet rule yeah. went away several years ago because the NFL believes you have to have one helmet all year long for concussion purposes. I still don't understand that. I don't either. And there's been some discussion that that could change. I know the Bengals, you know, they've got, they've got that that color rush, although they don't use the term color rush anymore in the NFL, but they've got that white on white with the black stripes. As that was originally conceived, it also came with the white helmet with the black stripes. Ooh, that ooh, would be awesome. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. You're right. A little a little white tiger action. I could get behind that too, definitely. And yeah, the two helmet thing, like, first off, it makes no sense. Like, wouldn't it be better to have two rather than one? So the one that gets beat up, maybe, you know, hey, it gets a rest for a week or something like that. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. And if, if college football can pull it off, I mean, Oregon's wearing a different helmet every game. I mean, so I would think we could find a way to get two helmets in the fold for the NFL to make things fun and, you know, dress up and give some of these uniforms a little pizzazz. Also, the Browns and the 49ers have had their throwbacks leak. Same routine there. No denial means no one wants to lie to anyone. They're the shadow numbers. Remember the 49ers did that in 94, 94 when right. they were – they wore the throwbacks, and they got the dispensation to wear them as often as they want. They became their lucky uniforms, so those are worked into the mix for the 49ers and for the Browns. The Browns' throwbacks look really good with the, the shadow letters, and they've got 1946 in a patch on the top because I guess that's the year that the, the Browns entered. Uh, I don't know if it was the NFL or the All-American Football Conference. I think yeah. it was the AAFC initially before they came to the NFL. Gotcha. So some uniform changes. It's uniform leakage season it always happens and i remember when the jets new uniforms leaked a couple of years ago 
deny, 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 and then it was time to unveil them, and lo and behold, they were the uniforms that leaked. So I think teams have learned to just keep their mouths shut once the the jerseys and the other uniform features end up leaking. All right, speaking of the Bengals, more important than anything they wear, who's inside the jerseys and the helmets? And Joe Burrow was the real deal last year until he got injured. Here's Duke Tobin of the Bengals, their personnel executive, regarding the urgency to build around their franchise quarterback. When I look at our team, I, I'm excited. I, I think we've got one of the uh, the premier best young quarterbacks in the game, and uh, and we're going to do everything we can to build around him and uh, give him the opportunity to really shine and show what he can do. And so it's going to start with him. Okay, it starts with him. Where does it go from there? Surely it has to go to the offensive line. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The offensive line's got to improve. I mean, they got to play a different style of football to begin with. Hey, one thing that I'll, I'll sit here and continue to be disappointed with the Bengals from last year because, one, we all saw it. We were saying it. Like, yeah, you want to build around a special elite guy, and they just put too much on him in year one with no help around him. We're going to throw every play, and we're going to let him get his his ass beat in. I mean, that's just, sorry. I just I got to say it. I mean, there was nobody that took more punishment before they got hurt than Joe Burrow last year. Your rookie quarterback. I know he's young, and he's a rookie, and he can take it and rebound and do all those things. But in a year like that, like, job number one should have just been Let's make sure Joe Burrow is healthy for year number two. That That's really what it should be. Sacrifice a little bit of the sexiness and things like that and lack of stats just to protect the guy. But, yes, that's exactly where it starts. Improvement on the offensive line. Get a consistent running game that can go along with it because they have a special running back, and they're actually pretty good at wide receiver, as we talked about a number of times last year. There's some talent and things to go along there, and I'm sure they're going to improve that as well. John Ross, A.J. Green, they're going to be gone. So I, I like the way they've set it up. I'm just still, you know, my heart hurts for Joe Burrow. I mean, that was we were seeing really awesome football by him, and that was a brutal, gross injury. And I have a hard time thinking he's going to be 100%, at least for the first half of this year, the first four or five weeks. It's, it's going to be a little bit of a different guy. He played with little regard for his own physical well-being, and it made me nervous every week. Yes. The irony was when he finally got injured, he wasn't running around. He wasn't trying to make things happen. He was just in the pocket. The pocket collapsed, and he took a low hit to the knee, and it's unfortunate that happened to Joe Burrow, and we hope he's ready to go week one. We think he's the real deal, that he can be the real deal. The Bengals just need to have the help around him as he enters year two, and hopefully he'll be healthy and ready to go. You mentioned A.J. Green and John Ross going to be gone, and and another influx of great receivers this year in the draft, and they helped themselves last year. They could help themselves this year, get some pass catchers, dollar for dollar cheaper. That's the problem with all these great pass catchers. It's yeah. going to be harder and harder for any of them to get paid a lot of money because there's always going to be a younger guy who can step in. No, I, I mean, they, they got a lot of ways they can go here. You know, they could be players in free agency. Uh, but but you're right. The draft, just from my early look there, it does look like there's a lot of damn good receivers out there to where yeah, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have to draft anybody in the first round. But, you know, again, with what they got and the way, you know, the first rounder, um, the kid from Clemson looked last year, and I, I'm blank. I just, yeah, T. Higgins, excuse me. Thank you for saving me there. And it'll go along with, with Tyler Boyd, you know, we talked about the two-headed monster they got in the backfield with Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. That's pretty damn good to go along with that. 
I mean, there's some things there that they're not that far off, at least on the offensive side of the ball. But the way they play on the offensive side of the ball has to change. And they got to be able to run the ball, play action. It can't just be Joe Burrow dropping back 45, 50 times a game like we saw a lot during the, the year last year where it just was too much. And, you know, that many times to drop back with that kind of offensive line, yeah, he wasn't scrambling and moving on that one, but you're just rolling the dice on something bad to happen when you just put that much on a young guy like that. And that's where, that's where it, it hurts. But, yeah, they're in a good spot to really change around their football team here. And they need to. They're in one of the best divisions in all of football between the Browns and the Ravens and the Steelers. It could be the Bengals and the Steelers jostling for the basement in that division no matter what they do in Cincinnati. You know, that's the problem with the current configuration of the NFL. You've got certain divisions that are really bad based upon the predetermined collection of four teams. You've got certain divisions that are pretty damn good. And right now, I'd still say the AFC North, top to bottom. If Burrow is healthy, Chris, top to bottom, the AFC North is the best in the AFC. I I, I got no – I mean, they might be the best in all of football, really. It, it's it's close. It certainly is, especially when you just take the quarterback play in, into you know conversation there or in the conversation – it's, it's a quality four starters. I mean, Big Ben, yeah, it's okay. He's number four right now, you know, but okay, you can still win a lot of football games, and I think if they play the right way, you can still get to the Super Bowl with Big Ben. So tough division. I don't expect the Bengals to be, run, you know, in the running for winning the division this year. I don't. But the way it's set up and some of the young talent and nucleus they got there, you know, two years from now, I can look at the Bengals and go, oh, I think that's the year they, they could make a run and be really relevant late December and maybe get in the playoffs and be something once again. Yeah. And, Defense uh, has got issues too. And, well, that's right. They got they got a lot of holes. They, they got the quarterback that they needed. But, Chris, this is going to make Bengals fans upset. It's not going to stop me from saying it because it hasn't stopped me from saying it before. In hindsight, and we know hindsight's twenty twenty, but in hindsight – we still don't know what the Dolphins were offering to go from five to one, but the Bengals could have taken that package and gotten Justin Herbert at five, and they yeah, wouldn't have been. The we love Joe Burrow, right? They'd be in. They'd be in a better spot with Justin Herbert no. plus whatever else the Dolphins would have given up to make that move. No, Extra you're first right. round pick you. this year. Maybe they'd be holding the third overall pick in the draft this year with the pick that flowed from the Texans to the Dolphins. Maybe that would have been part of the package, the first-round pick acquired from the Texans. So just an example of the way that you can stock a team when you do trade down. And this year, Chris, and it's something the Bengals have done yeah. numerous times, they trade down far more often than they trade up, sitting at number five with the possibility that Mac Jones will still be available. Great opportunity to trade down this year and stockpile some picks yeah it could be a possibility it just got to be about what's there what's the need on their team you know does the need meet the value of the player and what you got there like hey if there's a a right tackle out there and I haven't got into offensive linemen yet as far as the, but if there's one that you love well listen this is the best tackle in the draft he could play right tackle across some you know Jonah Williams who we drafted in the first round out of Alabama a few years ago don't trade down. Get the guy you need right now. If you're going in all in on Joe Burrow, go all in. But if you feel like, hey, there's a tackle or a position we need, but there's three or four of these guys in the first round that we like, okay, trade down. Make some moves. Do that. You know, they are. They're sitting pretty. They're sitting in the land of, like, I think those top three quarterbacks are all worthy of top eight, top ten picks. And, yeah, you could get some major play sitting there at number five for somebody wanting to, to get one of those guys. The Bengals are at number five. 
the Eagles are at number six. Yeah. And when the trade was reported slash announced, it's not final, obviously, until March 17 at 4, 1 p.m. Eastern. But when the news of the trade first emerged that would send Carson Wentz to the Colts, there were follow-up reports suggesting that the Eagles were looking to bring in someone else to compete with Jalen Hurts. And we know how the Eagles feel about the backup quarterback position. It's a top 15 spot on the roster, yada, yada, yada. They need somebody else. They need somebody else. And and who knows? Maybe Maybe they take somebody with a sixth overall pick in the draft, and that person becomes the starter. According to Chris Mortensen of ESPN, the owner of the team, the only vote that really counts, right. Jeffrey Lurie, wants support for Jalen Hurts, okay. not competition, right? which would seemingly take them out of play for a quarterback at number six. Uh, first of all, and because and I, I have some thoughts on that, but first of all, do you think Jalen Hurts should have a backup who knows I'm here, I'm number two, and I'm not the starter, I'm, he- I'm here to support the starter, or should there be a backup who is capable of competing with and potentially taking the starting job away from Jalen Hurts? Well, I, I think you, you can have a little bit of both there to where you can get a backup in to go, hey, listen, we're, we're going to give Jalen every right to be that guy. But we got you here in case it just doesn't go well and falls apart, you know, or he gets injured running the football and doing those things. We got here, you here because we think – you could every bit as compete with Jalen and do that. But, I, I mean, they got to be careful about, you know, open competition and doing – I mean, they're, they're going to get themselves in the same boat of, like, dividing the city, dividing the locker room. Oh, that guy had one bad game. Bench him. Screw him. Get him out of there. Put the other guy in. They got to be careful. That's why I would say, like, if they drafted a quarterback at number six, I would go, then you have to trade Jalen Hurts. That, the, the, what, why? So now you're going to draft a quarterback at number six. He's going to play bad in week three, and everyone's going to boo him and tell everybody to put Jalen Hurts back in the game? You'll be in the same damn situation you were in with Carson Wentz. So I, 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 it's good to hear Lurie say that. And go ahead and see what Jalen Hurts got and try to support it and go from there. And, and maybe you bring in a Mitchell Trubisky or somebody like that to be the backup who can run and do those type of things, and maybe he can be your fallback guy as you go forward. I don't know. What about Nick Foles? What sure. about Nick Foles is the number two? Sure. The ultimate backup, the guy who, if Jalen Hurts gets injured, will come in and get it done for you. I, I Listen, I, I hear you. I mean, that's where, again, too, the head coaching hire and the quarterback right now don't make sense. Sirianni came from the Chargers with Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers and then went to the Colts. They're all about creative drop-back passing game and doing those things. That is, you know, the negative with Jalen Hurts right now. So they're going to have to kind of get out of their comfort zone as a coaching staff, I think, and play a different way, too, with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Nick Foles makes sense, certainly. You know, but again, that they'll have he's, – he's a legend in Philadelphia. As soon as Jalen Hurts does something bad or doesn't play well, we know where that's going to go too. But it's, it's of course, not a horrible option. He is a great backup. You know he's not going to make a lot of noise or waves, and I understand that. But I, I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with this, and it's, it's interesting to hear Jeffrey Lurie say they're going to go all in with, with Jalen Hurts right now. Well, and, and let's, let's be clear on what was said and what wasn't said yeah. and what's reported. And what's fact and what may be part of a long con by the Philadelphia Eagles. This is where I'm a little skeptical of this report. Because what better way to make teams think that you're not going quarterback at six than to tell the world you don't want competition for Jalen Hurts. 
because the cat was kind of out of the bag and there was a lot of speculation. Oh, they're going to go quarterback at six. They're going to go quarterback at six. Well, if you're one of the teams that's drafting behind six and Mac Jones is there at five and the Bengals are not going to be drafting a quarterback at five, right? that's your spot. You try to trade up to five to get Mac Jones before the Eagles could take him or whoever, whoever's there. Right. The Eagles need to make it clear they don't want a quarterback at six if they want to preserve their ability to get a quarterback at six. That's all part of the pre-draft shenanigans, which are justified because of the way the draft works. You need to create a ruse to make people think that you're moving in a different direction than you are. No so doubt. Jeff Lurie not on the record saying it. Jeff Lurie leaking to a reporter who says it that that creates a narrative so the Eagles may hope that, oh, no, quarterback for them at number six? No, they're not going quarterback. They're, they're all in with Jalen Hurts. So it wouldn't be the first time something like that's happened. And the Eagles know how to work the media, and the Eagles know how to work a long con. So I'm not ruling out the possibility that this is a long con by the Eagles aimed at getting no one to trade up with the Bengals to take a quarterback at five and let that quarterback fall through to number six. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you're right. This is the time of the year where those narratives start to get thrown out there, and it's it's all about positioning for the draft and propaganda and those type of things. You know, and the Eagles are sitting pretty. I mean, the way I look at it right now is you just go, okay, Trevor Lawrence, one, Jacksonville Jaguars, Zach Wilson, two, New York Jets, Miami Dolphins, three, I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. I do think they're really looking if Deshaun Watson finally does become or, or Nick Casario starts answering, answering calls. I do think Miami is going to go all in on trying to get Deshaun Watson. I do. I got that sense of just from people I trust around the league and things like that. So I don't think, look at them as drafting a quarterback. You know, at number four, uh, who did we have there? At number four. Um, can you throw up? Oh, I, I lost Who's my at number four. Falcons at number four. Falcons at four. With Matt Ryan. I don't think they're going to go quarterback right now. At least I wouldn't. Matt Ryan's still got good years left. I don't think there's any reason to abandon that ship right now. And, you know, for what he's making money-wise, it's it's not a huge crush to their football team and everything like that to have a, a top-end quarterback in football. So they are sitting there. And you mentioned the Bengals. They're not drafting a quarterback at five. They are sitting in a spot where... Yeah, maybe they could get that third guy if it falls in their lap, the Mac Jones or whoever they might th see fit as the third guy. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, but but I don't know, man. I, I just I, I it I, I just get the sense that they're gonna let Jalen Hurts kind of ride this out, and they're gonna see if they got something here. That's just where I feel well, about it. That's what my gut tells me right now. I just think that nothing reported or said this time of year is binding on anyone because it all has to be factored into the broader smoke screens that happen. You can't wear your true intentions on your sleeve because then it will be used against you. If they come out and say, hey, we're looking for another quarterback and they don't acquire one in free agency or via trade, then it's the draft. Then they're in play at six. Then a team like the Panthers that clearly is looking to upgrade if they don't have any other alternatives they know they need to get in front of the eagles it's that simple sometimes right. and that could be the explanation here seattle seahawks we still don't know what they're going to do we know what they didn't do they sent a letter out to all season ticket holders and that letter didn't mention russell wilson it did mention dk metcalf it mentioned tyler lockett they both set records last year well russell wilson set a record on the team too but he didn't get mentioned new offensive coordinator shane don't call me cauldron waldron was mentioned <laughs> The, the the new the new run game coordinator whose name I can't remember was mentioned. Other players were mentioned, 
Russell Wilson wasn't mentioned. And Chris, this is the recovering lawyer in me suggesting that someone from the legal department said, we don't want to get ourselves into an argument that we led people to believe that we're going to have Russell Wilson this year. If there's yeah, any chance he's right. going to be traded, don't put him in that letter because we don't need some smart ass after the fact trying to get money back or filing a class action saying you led people to believe that Russell Wilson was going to be on the team when he wasn't. And then you delve into all the emails and text messages and find out how much they were talking about trading Russell Wilson before they did or they didn't, or actually it would be before they did because it's all moot if he's on the team. So, or mute, as you would say. But uh, I digress. Um, I, I really do think, because people are poo pooing this, oh, 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 he's Russell Wilson. How do you not mention him in the letter, this eight paragraph letter they send out? To season ticket holders. How do you, if you're going to mention any human being in that letter, you're mentioning Russell Wilson. This screams, it screams like we want to be done with Russell Wilson. You're exactly right. I mean, there's no team with a top 10 quarterback that's sending out things like that to season ticket holders and they're not mentioning their quarterback. I mean, it's hard to think that he's not the first guy that gets mentioned. You know, more times than not, when you look at those packages, and you got a quarterback that's in the top 10 and certainly the top five, he's always front and center on those packages with, you know, some of the other guys behind him on an angle, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what it's all about. And the first blurb is about the franchise quarterback and how special he is. It's just another, uh, just, you know, another pelt on the horse or the wall or wherever the hell you want to put it to go, this, this crap's getting ugly. They don't want each other. Can they get it done? I mean, just the more we go here, I just think it's it's over. I mean, it's over. And, I, and I'm more on now where, like, I think last week and two weeks ago, I was kind of a little bit like, it's over, but it won't happen this offseason. I, I, I don't know. The way it stands right now, I just feel like it's going to happen. It's going to come out. It's going to be a bombshell somewhere here in the next three weeks, and, it's, and they're going to get rid of Russell Wilson and move on because they don't want to deal with it. And I think this is a, the first real, real legit sign from Seattle side to say this. It's just amazing the people who will plug their ears and shout, I'm not listening, and will 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 talk down any evidence that runs counter to their view of the way the world is. Well, and the, the whole world, world is right Russell now. Wilson is a member of the Seahawks. I know, but it, it I couldn't believe it last night because this isn't some minor oversight. And they don't pound these letters out at 3 a.m. and send them out without other people looking at them. Right. These things are carefully read and vetted. The, these are official communications of a multi-billion dollar sports organization aimed at getting its frontline customers to renew their season tickets. These things are carefully written, carefully crafted. There's no way Russell Wilson's name was accidentally left out. It was intentionally left out. Then the question becomes, why was it intentionally left right. out? It was intentionally left out, I believe, because the general counsel of the organization or his or her deputy said, yeah, we can't create the impression that you're buying tickets to see Russell Wilson if we think there's a chance he's not going to be on the team. Yes. Period. I, Mike, I, I agree. You know, listen, I know there's, there's conspiracy, Mike, right? And, you know, was it's there— It's not a conspiracy. I know. This reality. one's not. You're right. I know. That's what I'm about to say. Let me give the damn compliment before you yell at me, all right? Damn you. Yes. I mean, you're right. I, I think this is a clear signal. This is reality. That it's 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 fifty fifty. It's it's shaky right now. 
And you're right. They don't want to be legally liable sending that package out and somebody coming back and going, damn, I bought these for me and my family because I thought we were going to be able to watch Russell Wilson, you know, every weekend. That's part of the reason I bought it. So they avoid that. And now we'll see where it goes. But the more and more this goes on, the more more rumors you hear. Uh, I, I just I think it's going to something's going to hit here in the next month and that'll be it. There's two types of lawyering, and I think that my – I can't remember what my business card used to say, but you've got the lawyer who – because there's two different terms that I used. You've got the lawyer who comes in and cleans up the mess, yeah. and then you've got the lawyer who serves as the counselor who keeps you out of the mess. Well, once you spend enough time cleaning up the mess, you learn a lot on how to avoid the mess, and that's all this is. This is proactive counselor-type lawyering where you're trying to avoid a mess. Is it too cautious? I don't know. You could say it's too cautious, but you know what? You're never going to know if there's never a lawsuit filed by a disgruntled season ticket holder who says, I paid all that money to come see Russell Wilson, and you traded him, and you led me to believe he was going to be on the team. If the lawsuit's never filed, then you then you did it right. Yeah. There's no reward for being prudent and careful and cautious when you're giving legal advice that that avoids a worst case scenario. When you litigate, you end up in the worst case scenario all the time. You're dealing with the aftermath of a worst case scenario that nobody contemplated because if they had contemplated it, well, you wouldn't have the lawsuit. Yeah. So bottom line, there's a good lawyer in Seattle who works for the Seahawks or for Vulcan or whoever's in charge of that team saying you can't mention the guy they could be traded, even if there's only a 20% chance we're going to trade him, even if there's only a 10% chance, if there's any chance we're going to trade him, we can't mention him in this letter. Now, why not omit all players? That's the, Just don't mention any players. You don't need to mention any players. Come see the team. You're the 12th man. You don't care who's on the team. You come see the Seahawks. That, that's what makes it glaring. That's where the knife feels like it's twisted a little, that yeah. they mention others and not him. Right. You could write that letter without mentioning anyone. Well, you're right. They can. They, they, you know, they do want to sell you know, their team, some of the players there. And I don't think they're worried about twisting the what knife right now. I mean, because they got a knife inside them that's been twisted really hard. And they're going, well, hey, you, you started the twisting knife game, so let's play it. I mean, that, that, and I got no issue with that, with you know, the way Russell came out and did this, all that. Mike, all right. I mean, it sounds like we, you know, the Bears would like something to happen, right? They're there. Who? I'm just talking ball here, just you know, spitballing. I, I don't know. I got no inside info or anything like that. Uh, but who? Any? Who's the other team? If you just went, where could Russell Wilson go? I mean, we down to New Orleans, and that's it. I mean, is it New Orleans or the Bears, and that that's all we're looking at here? Or do you think there's some other team that comes into play here uh, over the next few weeks? I, I think that if it's anyone, it's New Orleans, and they do a good job of keeping things secret. Now, they're reworking contracts. I know. Uh, for guys like Cam Jordan, Demario Davis. So, I, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the point where they're going to have to start shedding guys. And as I said last week, the Saints just need to call up the Seahawks and say, what do you want? Because there's a chance they want guys you're thinking about getting rid of anyway. Right. So, I, I, I just, I think that, I think that – and we don't know what Sean Payton thinks of Russell Wilson, but I think he recognizes it's going to be too much to get him and he can he can craft good quarterback play out of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. I think it's the Bears or no one. I think so point. too. That's my gut yeah, feeling. Right. Unless That's the Panthers decide to get involved. If I, I'm, I'm 
I, I think there's a chance that Mark Rogers, Russell Wilson's agent, held back a team or two when he provided the public list of the four teams to which Russell Wilson would take a trade. So you can appear reasonable, right? Well, uh, Russell Wilson, he, he accepted a trade to the Panthers or accepted a trade to the Jets. That wasn't one of his initial destinations. But you know what? He did his homework. He did his research. And he would welcome that now. So just because a team didn't make the initial list and there's a vacancy now with the Cowboys keeping Dak, I, I, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of someone else getting involved. And you got Scott Fitterer there as the GM in Carolina, came from Seattle. It's an obvious connection, although maybe Fitterer's been around John Schneider and Pete Carroll enough and heard enough no, what yeah, they've right. said over the past few years to say, I don't want to right. inherit that. Guy who's going to want a four-year, $160 million contract as he walks through the door to match Dak Prescott. No, yeah, I mean, you're right. That could go either way. I mean, it could be, oh, yeah, he's from Seattle and he's great. We want him here. Or it's been like, oh, no, he's from Seattle and I know what of a pain in the butt the guy really is and we don't want him here. But, I, I like, to me, that is the team that everybody is sleeping on. You know, again, I think we know they're interested in Deshaun Watson and try to make a move there. And that, that to me, if you've heard me say it a few times over the last week, they're kind of – Diamond in the rough for quarterback. I mean, I would be real happy to go there. You look at that offense and you just go, man, they, they just need you know, some interior offensive linemen, really. They got Okung at left tackle. We think they're going to franchise Moten at right tackle, who's a damn good player. But the support system and talent and everything there in Carolina, and that offense pretty damn good too, to where if I'm Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, that would be one where I would go, I, I'm, I'm going to look at that. They're doing some positive things there, and I can go there and light the league on fire with maybe one of the best duos in the game and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and a pretty good tight end and Christian McCaffrey and do those type of things. So that would be the one I look at too. I, I agree with you there. Owner of the team, David Tepper, is determined to get a franchise quarterback, and he's a guy who seems to get what he wants in business and uh he one way or the other Deshaun Watson Russell Wilson trade up they're getting a guy I think in this cycle that they will feel can be a franchise quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater is going to be somewhere else Carlos Dunlap is going to be somewhere else he was cut by the Seahawks and you know we talked yesterday about some of the things they need to do to create cap space to take the full 39 million dollar cap charge this year if they choose to do it and trade Russell Wilson instead of splitting it. And that all comes down to when you officially do the deal. And if you wait until June 2 to keep it at only $13 million this year, you're blowing the chance to get, for example, the 20th overall pick in the draft from the Chicago Bears. So I, I, it's not going to take much. I looked at the numbers, but they're going to have to shed some big salaries to get themselves in position to move on from Russell Wilson and to potentially take on a Khalil Mack and his $17 million if that becomes part of the trade. And, oh, look, they cut Carlos Dunlap. They need a pass rusher. Yeah. There's a spot for Khalil Mack. No doubt. I mean, you know, Carlos Dunlap, I believe, was scheduled to make like around $14 million. That just doesn't match up with the player. He's still a good player and has value, but not $14 million like, oh, he's, you know, towards the bottom of the top tier pass rushers in football at this point. No. Negative ghost rider. So he'd be one of those guys where you look at to where, like we've talked about a lot, he can go somewhere. He's probably going to sign for a little less money than he'd like, but some team's going to get a good deal and have a guy to go, hey, he's got some tread on these tires. He still can help our football team in a lot of ways. But, yeah, they got things they got to figure out there, you know. And to me, the, the more and more you look at Seattle, the more and more you just go, I mean, really, with the amount of free agents they have, the way their team is, you just look at it and go, I, at least I do. I just go, they're, they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. I don't think so. 
I, I don't expect that. And maybe that's more of a reason where you just go, okay, let's rip the Band-Aid off and trade Russell Wilson and go from there. You know, so the, that, that's where it's going to be interesting, and I'm, I'm really interested in how they approach this whole situation. But they got a lot of holes on their roster, and they got issues, and they're kind of in a – not a rebuild, but they got to retool a little bit, and they need depth and, a few, and, and some talent at, at some key positions. Well, one of the teams to which Russell Wilson would take a trade is revamping its offensive line to Whoa. the point where Wilson may remove that team – from his list before they ever find out whether or not a trade would happen. We'll discuss what's happening with the Raiders offensive line and their free agency misadventures when PFT Live continues. The Las Vegas Raiders, and at the time they were the Oakland Raiders when they did these deals, Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, LaMarcus Joyner, Trent Brown, all now gone. Huge money invested. Now, I don't know how much Antonio Brown ultimately got. He had a series of grievances after his crazy 2019 season. But my goodness, look, Chris, and they're going to trade Trent Brown to the Patriots for nothing. It's mm -hmm. a swap of future seventh-round picks, and right. Trent Brown is redoing his deal, and I'm told that you know, Trent Brown was motivated to go ahead and do this because the Raiders could have squatted on him for a while, waited until after the draft, and his potential alternatives could have dried up. So the Patriots wanted to bring him back. He does a deal now that allows him to be a free agent next year. It's a win-win out of a bad situation, but the worst part of it is the Raiders paying that kind of money. That was one of those right out of the gates, 2019, huge free agency deals, moved him from left tackle to right tackle, and it's been a disaster. And the free agency for the Raiders, the big money free agency has been a disaster. And this traces back to the idea that the guy who's running the show doesn't have to worry about getting fired. Chris, I talked about this last night on PFTPM. Yeah. When your boss is not going to fire you, you can be a mad scientist. You can take all sorts of crazy chances. There's no accountability like there would be for other coaches slash de facto general managers so, oh, yep. Yeah, hey, sorry, Mark. We tried. We're trying to make a better team here. You know, we don't know how these guys are going to be until they show up. That's what the market required us to pay. We did what we had to do. And now we're going to move on to the next guy. That's how football works, Mark. Uh, sorry. Let's keep going. No, I mean, listen, I, I think there's some truth there. The, certainly. I, I, I know. Again, I don't think John Gruden's trying to go renegade on anything. I think he is trying to build something. But yeah, obviously they've they've made mistakes. There's there's no doubt about that. You know, LaMarcus Joyner was underwhelming since he came from the Rams. Of course, Trent Brown, he barely played. You know, there's that. You know, there's been the, the, the you know, the, the misuse of draft picks. Hey, Cullen Farrell at number four a few years ago, it's, it's a horrible pick. It's horrible. You know, the, the Arnett kid uh, in the first round last year, Damon, Damon Arnett coming out of nowhere, you know, again, has talent, but I don't think he was a, what was he, the 19th pick of the draft, something like that. So they've taken some risk on a few players, and it hasn't worked out. And when you do that, and this is where, hey, the politics of drafting and things like that go in, then now people look at you extra hard and go, well, what the hell were you thinking? What were you doing? So, uh, yeah, it doesn't look great for them right now. It's a big offseason. I think that's why they're cutting some of the fat here on the offensive line because they're starting to go, all right, wait, we got some weapons. We got a running back or quarterback good. All right, we got John Gruden. 
he, he's gonna he can figure out how to protect and do some of these things. He's an offensive genius without all the best offensive linemen in football, and they got to start allocating some resources on the defensive side of the ball. You know, we talked about it. I think was it last week or two weeks ago when we hit the AFC West. I mean. It, it's crapola on the front seven. You know what I mean. I don't mean crapola, but there's nobody special. There's nobody, any teams game planning going, oh, no, if we don't double team this guy, we're ruined. You know, oh, gosh, this pass rusher, whoa, if we don't stop him and have a back chip and send a tight on, we'll never beat them. They got nothing like that. They have nothing. I do think Gus Bradley on the defensive side will help develop some of this young talent. Trayvon Mullen, Abrams, do things like that. Gus Bradley's a really damn good coach. But, yes, it, it hasn't been great so far. I, I can't deny that. And I will say this, too, Mike, just before be, – be, the Trent Brown, hey, he deserves some of this, too. You know, this is Trent Brown, two out of three teams that basically get rid of him. And why'd you pay him? Why'd you pay him? I, I, I don't know. I, You're right. I'm not trying to defend that him. That was – Look, I think at the time we we sounded the alarm. He flamed out in San Francisco. Flamed out. They found a way to turn his performance into chicken salad in New England. That's what New England then, does. Right. And then in comes the Raiders, and they right. think they can just plug this guy in, and he's just going to be as great as he was in New England. Oh, we're going to make him right tackle instead of left tackle. So what? We're going to give him all this money. And yeah, another example of one of these guys who gets signed the first day of free agency, and it's a big deal, and it's a record contract, and – and it falls apart. Well, and you're right. And, and but, but I'll say this in their defense: the the New England wanted Trent Brown too. You know, they just couldn't pay him the amount of money the Raiders. I don't think they weren't willing to do that. But yeah, as of right now, you know, and again, yeah, that was a risky sign because you're right. There was a lot of warnings. Kyle Shanahan loves offensive linemen. He, I, I don't know what went on there, but he just doesn't let like the best right tackles in football out the door and not really get much in return for it. You know, yeah, New England got them straight. Well, we've seen New England do that. They can get guys straight that others can't because of the culture and everything that's up there. But, yeah, Trent Brown went there, and it, it's, it's not because of play. It's May Mayock said it, you know. When he plays, he's one of the best in the game. It's all the other stuff. It's not, you know, being dedicated to your craft. That's what you hear about Trent Brown. So uh, there is no value, and yeah, it's it's a mistake on the Raiders, and they got they got some building to do to to help their football team. And I've had people ask me why isn't Mayock the one who's on the firing line here? Because Gruden runs the show, period. And there was some chatter that Mayock was in trouble, but I believe, based on what I've heard, that Gruden realized he wasn't going to find anybody better. See, because when you're the coach and you're also in charge, it's much harder for you to pluck guys who are with other teams to be your GM because you're really not making them the general manager of the team because right. you retain all of the control over the draft, over the roster, over everything important. So you have to go outside the normal boundaries. It's one of the reasons why your guy Kyle had to go get John Lynch sure. because Kyle retains so much of the authority, you can't hire somebody from another team. One of the reasons why Raiders had to go get Mike Mayock. He wasn't attached to anyone. You didn't have to get permission right. that would have been denied because Gruden's in charge. Gruden Gruden does a good job of concealing to a certain extent the fact that this is all on him. And it is Chris it is all on him. And and when you don't have that healthy fear that if you screw up enough times you're going to get fired, you're more willing to take risks and they've taken a lot of risks. And I I credit them for acknowledging their mistakes. Instead of concealing them, but again, yeah. when you're golden, when you've got ten years of job security, you don't need to worry about covering up your mistakes. No, I I hear you. I I hear you. Uh, you know, and and again, they, they made these moves 
thinking they were going to work. Yeah, they were wrong. Like I said, the ones that they took risk on, they're going to backfire on them because those are ones that just pop out and you're going to go, what the hell were you thinking with these picks or that signing or whatever else? But there's still been a lot of positives there. There's no doubt. They were a better football team this year. You know, they, they're close. So I'm not going to like – and, again, I understand everything you're saying. Yeah, he's he's got some wiggle room. But I he's – again, I know the guy. He's he's a psycho. He's trying to do it the right way. Yeah, he made mistakes, and now we're holding him accountable right now. Um, but this well, is a huge offseason. We well, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. We do. well, as but, long as Mark Davis doesn't, he's fine. Well, but but – we see enough also on social media that this, it's a real conversation about the Raiders. You know, once, you know, people just continue to beat it down and what the hell are you doing in free agency in the draft and do that, you know, Mark Davis will have no choice but to listen here at some point. And this is a crucial year for the Raiders. It really is. It's a big year for John Gruden, Mike Mayock, and that football team. There's a lot of things I like, but there's a lot of things I don't like and they need to get to work on. I got a feeling Mark Davis doesn't listen to many people other than Mark Davis and John Gruden. Let's take a break. When we return, I don't know if you heard, there was a fairly significant interview from Oprah Winfrey the other night. We are going to have a little fun here and come up with NFL figures, two at a time, that we would love to see in an Oprah Winfrey interview so maybe she can get to the bottom of some things regarding those two individuals. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. This is the Browns leaked alternate uniform that we talked about earlier. There's the 1946 patch, Nick Chubb, the shadow numbers. I like it. I like it. And again, this is another one of those where I sought uh, confirmation or comment from the team. No denial, no confirmation. That tells me that's the real thing, Christopher. You know, and did they they had the shadow numbers back then? You know, that's one. You know me. I'm all into like football history and all that. I don't recall seeing it on those old old jerseys, but I love the look too. I'm with you. It's, it's a clean look. It's a nice little change-up without being, you know, too crazy. All right, couple we would like to see from the NFL. Two figures, any two, in an Oprah interview where we get to the bottom of all sorts of things. Chris, you got a trivia question for me to determine pick number one. Okay, here we go. What kicker is one of just five British-born players to win a Super Bowl? Hint, he was born in Scotland. And he's the only kicker in NFL history to make two game-winning o- overtime field goals in the playoffs. Well, it can't. Is it Adam Vinatieri? I know. I would. That would have no. been my guess too. All but right. he's not born Go in ahead. Scotland, so Go that ahead. was not your yeah, best. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I know. it was some trick, like his dad was in the service or something. Yeah, some, some fact I didn't know about. Well, uh, it's it? Lawrence Tynes, which I, I did not know about. I did not know that about him. And it's from he's from Greenock, Scotland. It doesn't spell like, like Greenock. Greenock. It's a very scary saying, actually, as you look at it fast. Hello, Greenock. Hello, let's just stick with Greenock. Yep. Go ahead, take your first pick. <laughs> well. This is the best pick ever. I'm so glad I got the first one. I mean, Jack Easterby and anybody, okay? But let's go Jack Easterby and Cal McNair just for fun. Let's flush it out. Or would you rather have Jack Easterby and Deshaun Watson? Which one's better? I want Jack Easterby and Deshaun Watson. Okay, fine. Let's go with that. Jack Easterby and Deshaun Watson. Oprah in the middle, hitting them with the hard questions. Come on. That is like an interview made in heaven. I, I, I'm tuning into that. Tomorrow. Or hell. I, or, yeah, or hell. I don't know. I don't really give a damn about, 
you know, the the whole Harry, and I, I know I've seen some of the headlines or whatever. Um, I'm not totally into that scene there, but damn, I'd love to see Oprah do these two. You probably get just as many good quotes and drama out of that one. Well, because I think Deshaun would respond and talk and open up in that setting, and Jack Easterby wouldn't know what the hell to say. <laughs> Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, my yes. first pick, Ooh. without question, especially now. Right. Uh, with when when Oprah holds up the season ticket holder letter that doesn't mention Russell's <laughs> right. name, that's right. part of it as well. So that one's an easy. And one Russell, for me. what else? And you Russell, got? what were you um what were you saying about the offensive line and sacks, Pete? Would you care to comment? Oh, yeah. oh, wait, what, what, Pete, what happened in that meeting when he stormed out? Can you guys go into detail with that? Uh, that would be great. Uh, that, I know I was torn between that one and, and Easterby, but I had to go with Easterby. Well, after that, I want to, I want Brady Belichick, you know, you know, Brady Belichick. I, I want it all too. I mean, I'd like to know the good things and all of that, but of course, you know, the Rocky road times as well. And that's where Oprah can get you. I mean, she's just special that way, how she asks questions, you know, and really can go into all the issues. The Patriots had the contract issues. What happened at the end, Tom, why did you feel like you were disrespected by this man and all that? Uh, that, that one was, was pretty easy. One of my first choices. This one would have to be done fairly soon. But I want Sean Payton and Drew yeah. Brees because I want some answers. Yeah. And the only way we're going to get answers is get the two of them in a room and have Oprah there to draw the answers out of them because Drew still hasn't retired. We still don't know what the hell is going to happen with the quarterback position in New Orleans. Now, we may know sooner rather than later, but at least for right now, if they were doing it today live, Drew and Sean and Oprah. Yeah, I, that, that's, that's a good one. That was on my list as well. I mean, I, I am. Well, what, what is going on there? What is Drew Brees exactly doing, and when is he going to make a comment on this situation? Uh, it's something that's kind of flying under the radar right now. All right, I, I feel like there's one I'm missing somewhere. I really do, uh, but I think you know, like I would have, I would have had Dak and Jerry going into this if they just didn't get done. But I think the next one I'm going to go to right now, Shanahan and Garoppolo. How could I not pick that right now? I mean, we just all the rumors out there about the 49ers, Garoppolo, he's great and that he never makes comments or does anything like that. Like, I wasn't sure if I should go Shanahan Garoppolo or Garoppolo and Brady, and maybe they could talk it out while Brady wanted to take his job last year. But I'll go with Shanahan Garoppolo because, of course, is more relevant and recent right now. But, yeah, Jimmy G's got to be wondering where the hell do I stand on this football team right now and – Nobody knows what really Kyle Shanahan thinks in the situation. They're saying all the right things about Jimmy Garoppolo, but of course the signals don't exactly tell us uh, the right things either. You mentioned Jerry Jones, and look, just for sheer entertainment value, you got to have one with Jerry Jones, and it's been a few years, but Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell, they Ooh. had quite, quite a battle a few years ago, right. and my guess is that things aren't completely fine between the two individuals right now. You know, Who's the who's the, the the alpha in that setting, and uh, what would Jerry say? How would Roger respond to him? I think that would be fascinating. I also had Sean McVay and Jared Goff, yes, even though that too. trade's going to happen. Right. There's definitely some tension there that needs to be explored. Definitely, that was uh, the last name I had on there. It, you know what's a shame is it just it's all quarterbacks and stuff like that. Like, is there any drama going on with any of the position players? No wonder position players are sick of quarterbacks. I mean, you just see it's just. 
It's one story after another. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. But um, you got well, anything else out there? Yeah, yeah. A, a Mike Tomlin Antonio Brown reunion would be, <laughs> be interesting. That would right? be. You're right. You're John right. Gruden and Antonio <laughs> would Brown be even would be better. Really, <laughs> Antonio Brown and anyone would be. You could be get interesting. about the whole league to line up with Antonio Brown. We could probably have a good interview. <laughs> Antonio Brown and Tom Brady would actually be fascinating because. I'd want to see how Brown behaves around Brady and get a better insight onto how it is and what it is that Brady was able to do right. to finally get Antonio Brown pointed in the right direction and speak consistently to his better angels and get him to stop the self-destructive stuff that was unfolding from 2019 into 2021. Because for Brady, it worked. He got Super Bowl ring number seven. All right, let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live right after this. Giants reportedly will be applying the franchise tag to Leonard Williams. He gets a 20% bump over last year. The only problem is we still don't know exactly what he made last year. This is bizarre to me. An arbitration still pending. Grievance results still unresolved over whether he was a defensive tackle or a defensive end. I thought they got these things done fairly quickly. Remember Jimmy Graham several years ago, receiver sure. or tight end? You got to get that done. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand. How hard is it? Let's have a little more urgency, folks, to get these things resolved. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's hard to, hard to figure out your football team without figuring out, you know, a few extra million dollars and where that goes and what you can do with it. I'm not surprised, though, that the Giants are going to tag Leonard Williams. I mean, listen, they made a, an aggressive trade from the New York Jets, and Leonard Williams is the most disruptive D lineman on their team. So he's the only guy that's a legit pass threat and versatility. So when you look at the market, Mike, I you know I would think this is a tag – and let's get something done long-term wise. But he is worthy of making $16, $17 million a year if you look at some of the other guys that are making that in the NFL. I agree. Yeah. And uh, that's it. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody have a great Tuesday. See ya. Be good.